hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Hmm, well, good evening. Hello, George, down the front. Thank you, Ange. Just great waves. What's that? Ah, so I had a bow tie on this morning uh, for a baby dedication for our son, Emmanuel. We committed him to the Lord this morning, which is pretty exciting. Uh, He uh, was wearing a blue bow tie and a blue shirt himself, so I decided that we would just twin for the day, and it's working out pretty good so far. And he also became a U.S. citizen this week, which was pretty exciting as well. So, USA, 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 thank you. (laughs) There's always one. (laughs) There's always one. Well, hey, I am really looking forward to sharing with you guys tonight. We are launching a brand new series tonight. It's called The Presence of God. And uh, as we begin the series tonight, I was reflecting on this one time. I was doing some work with my father-in-law back in the States. And my father-in-law, Doug, is an arborist and a tree doctor, if you will. And uh, we were working on this job, and Doug and some of the other guys of the crew were working on cutting down a really big tree. And so he set me to the task of going around and uh, pruning some of the dead branches off some of the smaller trees. And so to do that, I went to the truck and I grabbed what we call a pruning hook. You guys might call it something else, but it's essentially a long pole, and then it's got kind of this thing that you hook on the branch, and then you pull the rope, and it chops the branch off. So I'm going around, and I'm chopping the branches off, and I'm finding that there's some that are a little bit too big for this pruning hook, and so I'm really struggling. I'm pulling on the rope, but I can't seem to get them. And so I kind of was struggling with it. I felt a little bit embarrassed because I thought maybe I just needed to pull it a bit harder, and maybe I just wasn't strong enough. And so I was going all right, but I was finding that some of these branches just weren't too big. And so I was wondering, am I cut out for this whole tree work thing? not sure. I was maybe just trying to impress Sarah's dad. (laughs) Uh, But I looked over, and I noticed that Doug was standing nearby, and he was watching me. And then he gave a little shake of his head, and he said, let me show you something. So he walks me over to the truck, and he pulls this other tool out of the truck. Now, this tool had a very sharp saw on the very end of this really long pole. So it was a pole saw. And so Doug takes this pole saw and goes back to the tree that I was trying to work on. And with a few quick, all the branches that I'd been trying to cut down with this pruning hook are now laying on the ground. And he handed the pole saw to me. And he said something to me that has stuck with me all these years later. He said, 50% of any job is having the right tools. And he patted me on the back and said, good luck. And I often think of that memory and how it reminds me that when it comes to achieving something, life isn't always about brute strength. Sometimes you just need the right tools to make the job a little bit easier to do. And that's true for tree work, but I believe it's also true when it comes to the kingdom of God and loving the people around us. You see, the Bible tells us that God gives us a number of different tools that can help us to make the job of loving people just a little bit easier. And these tools are referred to as the spiritual gifts. 
And it is these gifts, these presents from God, that is the subject of our new series that we are beginning tonight. So in this series, The Presence of God, we are going to be exploring and unpacking the topic of the gifts of the Spirit. And the aim of this series is to invite you into greater experience of the spiritual gifts, to equip you to understand them, and to empower you to move in them with confidence. So what are the spiritual gifts? The spiritual gifts are the prophetic gifts, which are about hearing God's voice, the serving gifts, which are things like serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, and administrating, sort of the things that make the world go round. The gifts of faith, healing, and the working of miracles, the gift of the discerning of spirits, and the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, depending on your background, you might feel familiar with all of these spiritual gifts, some of them, or none of them at all. You might have had some really positive experiences related to these gifts, or you might have had some really negative experiences and experienced some disappointments. Wherever you are tonight, my invitation for you is to put all of that aside for a moment and to come with a fresh openness and a fresh expectancy as we explore this topic in the coming weeks, because I believe that God wants to do something new in our community in this area. Now, it is our desire as your leaders to create a culture where you can flourish and be developed in the giftings that God has given to you and also has yet to give to you. And our hope is that in this, you will uh, be able to practically understand how to step into and how to grow in the spiritual gifts that God has given to you, and also, really importantly, how to receive the use of those gifts by other people in the right way. Our hope is that in this, you will feel that it is safe to try new things and maybe even make a few mistakes along the way. But the journey with spiritual gifts is going to look different for each of you because God will always uniquely equip you for the calling and the assignments that He has for you. And those tools are going to look different than the tools of the people sitting to your left and right. And that's because half of any job is having the right tools for that job. So before we jump into our first message in the series tonight, let's just take a moment to commit this series to the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Invite God to come and meet us. So, Lord, I thank you for this moment in time, this Kairos moment. Lord, a moment of divine opportunity and potential. And Lord, I thank you for each heart that is here tonight. Thank you that it's no accident that they're here. And Lord, that you want to deposit in them something special tonight. And so Lord, I pray that you would fill them with fresh hope, fresh expectancy, and fresh hunger. And a belief that maybe, just maybe, this is a time to step into something that perhaps I've never done before. Lord, I pray that you would give them that sense, sense of excitement, and a sense of expectancy. Lord, Lord, we give you tonight, we give you this series. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So I remember this one time, I was visiting our church back in Michigan, uh, the one that I sort of grew up with. 
a little bit. I didn't get saved until I was 15, so grew up with for a few years before I headed off. And uh, we were back visiting for Christmas or something like that. And so I, was, I remember the worship was happening, and I was a few rows back from a gentleman that I know named Sam. And um, as I looked at Sam, I had this immediate sense that God wanted to give me a word of encouragement to share with him. And so I said, Lord, what, do you wanna, what would you like me to share with Sam? And so I had this immediate flash of a picture through my, my mind of a, like an old steam train, uh, like the, the old school ones, like Hogwarts Express style steam train. And it said on the side of it, Kingdom Express. And Sam and Jesus were in this locomotive at the front, and behind this train were all these different carriages, and they had people in them. And some people were sitting down, some people were moving about the train, and then there were other people that were kind of like almost hanging on on the very outside of these train cars, just some even by one hand, but they were hanging on. And this train was going somewhere. And I asked the Lord, what does this picture mean? And I felt that God put in my spirit that it was a, a picture of all of the people that Sam had impacted for the kingdom of God over the course of his lifetime. Okay, I'll go with that. So I go up to Sam, said, hey, I've just had this sense from the Lord. Would it be all right if I share it with you? Yep, please do. So I share the picture with him, and he begins to cry. And then he tries to say something to me, and then he can't. He just goes back, and he's crying again, and he can't stop crying. And so after a minute, I, I just decided, I think I'll just leave him to his moment with God. <laughs> uh, and so I just walked away. And um, a few minutes later, he came up to me and said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, of course. And so we go into another room. And he said, just this morning, I was saying to my wife, I don't know if my life has really counted for anything. He said, I don't know if I've really left any kind of meaningful impact. And here I am in my 60s and I just don't know if, if anything I've done matters. He said, but now I know that my life has counted for something in God's eyes. So Sam went into church that day wondering if anything that he had done in his life counted for anything. He walked out knowing that God was celebrating with him, and that would have undoubtedly left him feeling known and feeling loved by his heavenly Father. And it took about 30 seconds for me to share that picture with him. It was like using the pole saw instead of using the pruning hook. The right tool, the right word of encouragement at the right moment can change someone's life. And that is the power of the spiritual gifts in action. So over the course of this series, we're going to unpack some of these spiritual gifts in detail, but tonight I feel like it's important to lay a little bit of a foundation. You see, having the gifts of the Spirit active in a community can be amazing and it can be powerful and it can also be really messy and it's usually a whole lot of both. And uh, so we're going to look tonight at two different traps that we should avoid when it comes to the spiritual gifts and then we're going to look at the true purpose that the spiritual gifts are meant to be used for. The different spiritual gifts, just like any tool, can be used to bring great benefit to people or they can be used to bring great harm. They have been misused and abused by people with both good intentions and people with bad intentions. And so that should give us a little bit of sobriety to the way that we approach these spiritual gifts. 
However, when they are set in their proper place with the proper discipleship, the gifts of the Spirit can be incredible tools for the promotion of love and leading other people into the presence of God. So let's take a look at the first trap. Trap number one, overemphasizing the spiritual gifts. Now, when I say overemphasizing the spiritual gifts, you might immediately be thinking of someone that you know or maybe a church that you were part of, perhaps the kind of church where people are yelling in tongues and sort of swinging from the chandeliers. And, uh, you know, uh, the churches like that aren't necessarily in the wrong. I, in fact, I actually kind of think they're a little bit fun, but I've got a bit of a secret wild side you might not know about. But this trap of overemphasizing the spiritual gifts can actually happen in any sort of style of church setting, depending on which spiritual gifts are being overemphasized. So what does it look like to overemphasize the spiritual gifts? Well, the first thing that looks like is equating the exercising of spiritual gifts with spiritual maturity. Equating the exercising of spiritual gifts with spiritual maturity. Being able to use the gift of prophecy does not make you the Isaiah or the Elijah of our generation. Having the grace to serve the poor does not make you the Mother Teresa of our generation. And having the ability to speak in tongues does not make you the Apostle Paul of our generation, but it definitely might turn a few heads if you accidentally find yourself doing it while absentmindedly listening to some worship music while you're going through the grocery store. Not that I would ever do that. All spiritual gifts, from the ones that are most visible, like prophecy, healing, or leading, to the ones that are least visible, like giving, administrating, or the discerning of spirits, are simply tools to introduce people to the love of God and to advance the cause of His kingdom and to help it to grow. And it says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, starting in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one in body in Christ." and individually members one of another. So we all have different measures of different gifts because we all have different functions that God calls us to. So no matter how impressive someone's spiritual gifts may be, they should never be the metric that we use to gauge someone's spiritual maturity. Concerning false prophets, Jesus said that you would know them by their fruit. Thank you. Yeah, they can heal the sick, but do they have love, joy, peace, and patience? Sure, they can prophesy, but do they have gentleness and self-control? Sure, they gave a bunch of money to build that orphanage, but are they living a righteous life? The measure of someone's spiritual maturity should always be determined by how much their life reflects the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. Now, the other way that we can overemphasize the spiritual gifts 
is to exaggerate the importance of the spiritual gifts at the expense of other important values. For example, if you're trying to describe an apple tree to someone, but all you talk about is the bark, well, then you're going to have a really hard time describing an apple tree to them, and you're not really going to paint a clear picture of what an apple tree is. And in the same way, when it comes to the kingdom of God, if we are only describing it using a very small part of it to our city and to our people, then we're not going to paint a really accurate picture of what the kingdom of God is. So why should we avoid this trap of overemphasizing the spiritual gifts? We should avoid this trap of overemphasizing because it shames those who don't move in certain spiritual giftings, and it creates a competitive and a comparison-based culture that squashes out love. And that's not cool. So we don't want to overemphasize the spiritual gifts, but when they are set in their proper place, the gifts of the Spirit can be incredible tools for the promotion of love and leading people into the presence of God. Which brings us to trap number two. Now, if you found yourself yes and amening in your heart to the trap that we just talked about, watch out because the other trap we should avoid is to underemphasize the spiritual gifts. Now, this trap of underemphasizing goes hand in hand with the trap of overemphasizing because often we overemphasize some gifts and we underemphasize other gifts depending on what we're excited about or what we are not so excited about. So what does it look like to underemphasize the spiritual gifts? Well, the way that we can underemphasize the spiritual gifts is by minimizing the importance of certain spiritual gifts or by choosing to believe that they don't exist. So this can look like downplaying the importance of certain gifts or even unfairly accusing people who use those gifts and who exercise them. In fact, there's a whole branch of theology called cessationism, which is the belief that certain gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy, healing, and the gift of tongues, that those aren't in use today, but they were just for the apostles. Now, I'll be honest with you, it is my personal belief that this theology of cessationism, while perhaps well-intentioned in many ways, is rooted in, I believe, cynicism, fear, and disappointment. I believe it's not only wrong, it is also robbing the body of Christ in many places from experiencing something beautiful that God has for them. I remember shortly after I met Jesus, I got introduced to the spiritual gifts, and uh, I was pretty excited about them. Probably a bit too excited about them, if I'm honest. So I remember I was on this youth group trip this one time, and at dinner one of the nights, one of the leaders mentioned that she was going to be having surgery on her knee in a few weeks' time and that she was in a lot of pain. So myself and a couple of the other very excited youths uh, gathered around her and asked, hey, can we pray for your knee? And she said, yeah, sure, okay. And so we prayed for her knee, and then we asked her to test it out, and uh, she stood up and started moving it, and I will never forget the look of astonishment on her face when she found that all of the pain was gone. So we were pretty stoked. We thought that was pretty cool. But there was one problem. A number of the leaders of the youth group trip uh, actually didn't believe that healing still happened today. Uh, and so as a result of this instance and a few other things like it, 
I managed to get a bit of a reputation in my hometown as someone of, quote, questionable theology. And uh, some of the pastors and leaders in my hometown actually started warning other people to keep their kids away from me. And that was pretty hurtful to me because I was just a teenager myself. And, you know, I didn't get everything right uh, and certainly wasn't very mature and I probably was naive in the way that I said certain things or did certain things. But it wasn't like I was trying to start a cult or do something weird. I was genuinely just trying to do what my youth group leader said and go after God. And so I didn't need someone to accuse me of being spiritually deviant in that time. What I needed was someone to come and spiritually disciple me. So the other way we can underemphasize the spiritual gifts is to simply not talk about them or to have no clear path to discipleship in them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And I don't know about you, but I don't want us to be a church that just permits the use of the spiritual gifts. I want to be a church that equips you to flourish in them and to thrive in them and to develop in them. So why should we avoid this trap of underemphasizing the gifts? We should avoid this trap of underemphasizing them because we can really hurt people who are genuinely just trying to go and grow in God. And we can miss out on something beautiful that God has given to us that can empower us to change lives in some pretty amazing ways. So we don't want to underemphasize the spiritual gifts. But when they are set in their proper place, those gifts of the Spirit can be incredible tools for the promotion of love. So if those are the two traps that we should avoid, then when it comes to the spiritual gifts, what is it then that we should be pursuing as a community? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul defines it very beautifully. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So every word of prophecy, every tongue that is uttered, every moment of faith and every act of serving for the kingdom must have one thing and one thing alone at its foundation. And that thing is love. If our pursuit as a community of the spiritual gifts is not patient and is not kind, 
if we are envious or boastful or rude in that pursuit, and if we insist on our own way and we do not rejoice in the truth, then we will be missing the entire purpose of the spiritual gifts and our pursuit will be pointless. Spiritual gifts are not given by God to be superpowers to make us look good. Spiritual gifts are tools that empower us to lead people from and into the place of love. And before we finish tonight, I want to share one last story that I stumbled across with how those gifts were used to introduce people to God's love. So I've got a little video that's going to come up behind me on screen. Let's take a look. Well, uh, one night when I uh, was living in Reading, I got off work, working at a restaurant, and like any other 23-year-old, I have a fifth meal and about 10.30 at night, and I uh, went over to a grocery store to go get some donuts. And I was walking in, um, I was passing by the cash register, and this lady was paying for her groceries, and I saw that she had hearing aids, and I thought, it's always a green light when you see crutches, people in wheelchairs, hearing aids, just go up and ask if you pray for them. So I approached the lady, asked her, hey, can I pray for you really quick? And she's like, oh, that'd be nice. And then she starts leaving. I'm like, no, 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 like right now, can I pray for you? And she's like, okay, why not? And I say, hey, why don't you just take out your hearing aids so we can see if God does anything, we'll know, we can see a difference right away. And so she takes out her hearing aids, we begin to pray for her, and the cash register girl, the cashier lady, she's watching the whole thing, you know, unfold. And uh, we begin to pray for her, and I said, okay, I'm gonna take a couple steps back, you just repeat after me if you could hear me. And so, you know, she's, you know, facing the other direction, and I'm taking steps back, like, hello, my name's Chad, my favorite food's pizza, and donuts, and she's repeating this, until I get about 25 feet away and she realized that she has full hearing. She actually has better hearing than the cashier has. And the cashier is like in her late you know, teens, early 20s. And so she starts crying because her ears opened up. She was 90% deaf in one ear, 80% deaf in the other. And the cashier lady is crying as well. And suddenly, right when that happens, I just feel this wind on the back of my neck and I get downloaded with all these words of knowledge of what God wants to do in the grocery store. And, you know, I didn't have this. I was just going in there hungry. I didn't have this before. And so I go to the cashier and I say, this is totally God. This isn't me. I mean, God just totally, you know, opened this girl's ears. But God wants to do more in this grocery store. Is it all right if I get on the intercom and just share, you know, and, and uh, call out some words of knowledge? And she's all, yeah. So she shows me how to use it. I say, attention all shoppers. You know, God is in the building. And, uh, and I begin to just tell what God's doing. And I had the lady that got healed, she shared uh, what happened to her. And so I just started calling out words of knowledge, said, come to checkout 10. Um, people started gathering around, about 20, 25 people. And it was amazing. And this one lady came with a motorized car and said, do you think God could really heal me? And I said, of course God can heal you. He's the healer. So I began to just, just explain a little bit about the gospel, about healing, signs and wonders. And then I had the lady that just got healed from her uh, ears pray with me. And I said, this is, you know, Matthew 10, 7 and 8. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, the sick get healed. The dead get raised. Freely received, now freely give. And it was her time to, to give away the kingdom when she just received it earlier. So we began to pray uh, together. And she, I asked the lady in the motorized cart. She uh, was getting prayer for her hip. She is going in for hip replacement surgery. And she moves her hip a little bit. And she goes, oh. and I was thinking, oh my gosh. Like, is she in pain? 
and I, that's what I'm thinking in my head. And I asked her, what's going on? And she's like, that used to hurt before. And I said, okay, we'll try to do something else. So she gets up. She begins to walk and then go into this little jog. She begins to scream out, Jesus has just healed me. Jesus has just healed me. The whole place goes crazy. They all start like, you know, hooting and hollering. I mean, this isn't like a church. This isn't checkout aisle 10. And this guy in the back starts pushing people. And I'm thinking this guy's coming to like beat me up. He has a problem with this. I don't know. So he, and he's shaking his like fist at me and he gets up to me and I'm like getting ready to defend myself. And he says, my, my wrist, I have carpal tunnel, my wrist, I've had them for two years. Will you please pray for me? And I said, of course. And I said, you know, while I'm praying for you, why don't you just move it around just to see if something, you know, shifts or changes. He's moving around. He goes, oh my gosh, they're on fire. They're on fire. I'm like, well, that's good. They're, you know, heat's a good thing. And so he's like, oh my gosh, there's no more pain. He starts crying and he begins to explain to me that he plays the piano, he teaches and he performs and that's how he makes his money. And he's been in total pain doing this. And now they don't hurt anymore. And he was coming into the grocery store tonight saying, wouldn't it be great if all the pain in my wrist left today? And so I decided, hey, you know, the, the kingdom just showed up. It'd be a good idea to introduce the king. And so I just told everybody, you know, Jesus didn't just die on the cross for these people to get healed, but to have a personal relationship with, with you. And that you could uh, be best friends with the creator of the universe. And just gave a real simple gospel message. And I said, who wants that? Who wants to be best friends with the creator of the universe? And people's hands just came up. And I just led them to the Lord, prayed for them. And I walked out on cloud nine for getting my donuts. But it was a fun night. So I showed this story to you because I believe it shows a number of the gifts of the Spirit in operation in an ordinary place with ordinary people on an ordinary night. And it shows how those gifts are used to introduce people to the God of love. Now, I'm not saying that what this guy did in the grocery store is the definition of spiritual maturity. And I'm not saying to you that you have to go out tonight to pack and save and try to turn it into pack and saved. But what I am trying to highlight to you tonight is the incredible power of the spiritual gifts uh, and the way that they can transform lives when they're used effectively and appropriately. So we don't want to be a community that overemphasizes or underemphasizes the spiritual gifts. We want to set them in their proper place. And when we do, they can be incredible tools for the promotion of love and leading people into the presence of God. And like my dear father-in-law once said, 50% of any job is having the right tools. Would you guys stand with me? Have a band come and join me back on stage. So I believe part of the new wine that we talked about last weekend is God wanting to release some fresh grace and some fresh power on our community to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Because I believe God is wanting to help us as a church to love God and love Him in a deeper way. Or love Him and love other people, I should say. Now, it's our hope throughout the series that as your leaders that we will lead you to a greater experience of the spiritual gifts, that we will equip you to understand them, and that we will empower you to move in them. And it might get a little messy sometimes, but just as Picasso's paintings might have looked a little bit messy before he put the finishing touches on them, so also I think we have to be willing to have a little bit of a mess if we want to possess 
the masterpiece. I want to issue an invitation to you tonight. And that invitation is this. I want to invite you to say yes tonight to pursuing the spiritual gifts in a fresh way. Not so that you can look more impressive, but so that you can have more tools to be effective. Now, this invitation has two parts. The first part of the invitation is to say yes. And you can do that wherever you are in the room. The second part of this invitation is I want to make some space for anybody that wants some special prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered to walk in these gifts in a fresh way. And maybe for some of you, perhaps even for the first time. And uh, one of the things that, um, that it said in um, it's Matthew, John the Baptist once said, I baptize you with water, but there's another who is mightier than I, who wants to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so he was speaking of this, this infilling, this baptism by the Holy Spirit that God would bring uh, to his people. And so I want to give you guys an opportunity, if you want, to come forward. And during this last song, myself, I'll be up the front here, there'll be a few others. And we would love to pray for you and pray for God to fill you with his spirit in a fresh way. And so if that's you, as we go into this last song, I invite you to come forward. The space is here. Uh, but if you just want to say yes right where you are, that's all good too. But I'm just going to close this out with some prayer and then we'll go into uh, this time of worship. So Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to grow into something new something deeper. And Lord, I pray for uh, a stirring of a fresh hunger tonight. Lord, to be filled with your spirit, to know you and to know your power in a fresh way. Not so that we can be more impressive, but so that we can be more effective, Lord. Because Lord, there is a city just outside these four walls and they are desperate and they are lost in the dark. And they need to know the light of your love. And so, Lord, we pray that you would equip us with every tool that will make that job easier. Lord, I pray for a fresh equipping tonight and a fresh grace. Lord, I thank you for what you've been speaking to our community about new wine. Lord, I pray that you would release this new thing to us tonight. And God, I don't know what that's going to look like in all of its ins and outs, but Lord, I just want to say yes. And we as a community want to say yes. So Lord, as we say yes tonight, would you come and move in our midst and touch hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.